Hi, we're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with Decrom. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you catch the kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with Decrom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, joined as always by my right hand man, Hale Fed, to full press coverage. Thanksgiving is once again upon us, and there is plenty to be thankful for when it comes to the greatest reality TV program ever conceived, the National Football League. However, there will be several notable empty chairs at this year's NFL Thanksgiving table because as we head into week 12, six, and I mean six starting quarterbacks, have suffered season-ending injuries. Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, and now Joe Burrow due to torn ligaments in his right wrist. And those absences are a huge factor as to why we seem to have more uncertainty than ever before from top to bottom when it comes to the NFL playoff picture, aren't they, Hal? Without a doubt, David, that, uh, you know, I was getting ready to jump on that Cincinnati train yet again this year. And now, uh, nope, not going to happen here. So uh, got to find a, a new horse to back in this race, I think. And it, it's like you said, it's uh, it's a little it's all over the place here. You know, the NFC, you've got some powerful teams. But, yeah, the AFC is shaking out to be wide open. And that's going to be a lot of fun. It most certainly is. And before we look ahead to week 12, let's recap what just happened in week 11, starting with our biggest takeaways. And I will go first here. Patrick Mahomes, you deserve better. He is still clearly the best quarterback and football player on this planet, period. Yet aside from Travis Kelsey, he's throwing to a JV squad. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Miko Hardman, Rashi Rice has shown promise, but he's run too hot and cold. And he just puts pinpoint pass after pinpoint pass on those non-Kelsey receivers. And yet they always seem to drop the ball in the worst possible situation. This is shaping up to be a year to forget for Patrick Mahomes. And that's why he simply deserves better. He just does. What was your biggest takeaway from week 11, Hal? Well, you know, uh, my biggest takeaway from week 11 after watching, I kind of have to say, um, you know, Tom Brady got some flack for his uh, a lot of mediocrity statements there. But I, you know what? I, I've got to agree there. I think it's something that the league needs to look at. And again, I'm going to go back to the dead horse that I beat every time. Um, not so much as you know, Brady talking about the penalties and protecting the offensive players, but to an extent, part of that goes back to the union negotiating away the practice time for the players and less time in pads, less time getting that offensive line cohesive, not having these players coming in and ready to play, not having that minor league feeder system uh, that can get teams having a program, as Brady said, versus just having a coach. And that lack of the program and fundamentals, huge impact. And I think that's more than anything else why we're seeing these injuries to these key players at key positions as well. Um, get these guys back to tackling at practice, get them back to working year-round, have a cohesive unit that's good for ratings, 
good for fantasy football, good for betting with more points scored. The better we see it today in the NFL, those teams that have those cohesive offensive lines, they're able to consistently win weekends and week out and give you that better product. So I'm on board somewhat with Tom Brady as my takeaway after watching week 11. Tom Brady definitely has a point about the current state of affairs uh, in the NFL. And now on to our weekly honors, starting with our all-caps go to the week. I'll go first here. On Sunday night, I happened to be in Denver for that Vikings-Broncos game that was a thriller until the last second. And uh, there is one guy on that Broncos defense that has keyed this otherworldly turnaround, and his name is Jaquan McMillan. Jaquan McMillan, he is 5'10", 183 pounds, undrafted free agent, and yet he has an amazing, not just great, amazing nose for the football. He intercepted Patch Mahomes in week eight. In week 10, on the first play of the game, he stripped uh, James Cook in Buffalo. Last week, he recorded a fumble recovery and an interception. The Broncos have forced 12 turnovers since week eight, and they had a bye in week nine. And Jaquan McMillan has been the biggest turnover machine on that defense, and that's why he gets a shout-out as my all-caps go to the week for week 11. What about you, Hal? I like your choice, David. I'm going to give mine. uh, I have to do a tie on this one. And I hate to repeat somebody that you've had on here as well, because this wasn't his greatest week ever, but I'm t- I'm giving CJ Stroud and Jared Goff my go to the week. Hey, anybody can play well when everything's clicking and you're playing with the lead and the receivers are getting open. But when the wheels fall off, when you're in a hole, that character, that self-confidence to bounce back and put the team on your back in the fourth quarter, And that's what both Goff and Stroud did. Games that they could have just given up on and said, oh, well, we lost it. I had a bad game and write it off um, with those uncharacteristic turnovers early in the game. And instead, they both led their teams to victories coming from behind in the fourth quarter. So Goff and Stroud, love it. Love that character and confidence. You guys are my goats of the week. And now on to our dunce of the week honors. You go first here, Hal. Uh, well, uh, speaking of kicking a dead horse here, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, 31 points allowed to the Giants. Yeah, I know your offense turned the ball over half the time that they had it, but I don't care. Big plays in the passing game, big plays in the running game. This was a close game until the fourth quarter, and that defense for Washington just folded. Um, my goodness gracious, I am done with Ron Rivera. Uh, you were done with Jack Del Rio before the season started, David. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no loss there. But, but uh, those two sharing the dunce cap this week, no doubt about it. I like your choice there, Hal. And we're going to talk about Ron Rivera again in just a little bit. But before we do that, I have to hand out my Dutch of the Week honors to Chicago Bears head coach Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus, this is the second time this season and like the fourth or fifth time in the past two years that the Bears have blown a game in the fourth quarter that they should have won. The Bears were essentially dominating the Lions for most of that game. They picked off Jared Goff three times and headed into the fourth quarter. You're up by six. You got a third and one. You sneak Justin Fields. That doesn't work. But instead of going for our fourth and one, you 
don't play to win. You just play not to lose and attempt a field goal. And a couple drives later, the Bears are driving it deep down the field. You're approaching four minutes remaining, and you have a fourth and five. And instead of trying to extend the drive and play to win, you just play not to lose and kick another field goal to go up 12. And just before you know it, the Lions get a quick touchdown drive right thereafter and get a quick three and out and then go all the way down the field to score the game-winning go-ahead touchdown. Matt Eberflus, that was a textbook example of how to lose your job. You weren't playing to win. You were just playing not to lose. And that is what always gets you into trouble in the NFL. And that is a big reason why the Bears still have a losing culture under Matt Eberflus. And speaking of Matt Eberflus, let's talk about the latest in terms of this coaching carousel, which is about to spin as we head into the final seven weeks of this season. Did Sunday's choke job in Detroit pretty much seal Matt Eberflus' fate as Bears head coach, barring a strong finish to the season? Yeah, David, I think you're right. It, it it really, you haven't seen that improvement on that team. You haven't seen that improvement in the coaching. It's just uh, not trending in the correct direction. Um, look, you know, the Bears fans, you feel bad for them. They, they suffered through Matt Nagy. You know, you had to get through that. Um, you know, Eberflus, there's no trending in the right direction. Um, offense still broken. Defense still broken. Um, They've imported the talent. It's not making a difference. Time to move on. Oh, I completely agree. And regardless of who the starting quarterback is in Chicago next year, whether it be uh, Caleb Williams, Drake Bay, or even Justin Fields, Justin Fields played a pretty damn good game on Sunday. Keeping Eberflus would be the height of organizational malpractice, wouldn't it? it? Without a doubt, David, that is the perfect terminology to describe that. And moving right along here, during Sunday's Fox NFL Sunday pregame show last weekend, Jay Glaze reported that the coach with the hottest seat in the NFL right now is not Ron Rivera, not Brandon Staley, not Matt Eberflus, but Carolina Panthers head coach Frank Reich. A few weeks ago, we talked about the impatience and impulsiveness of Panthers owner David Tepper. You said then, Hal, that you had faith he would eventually learn to be more hands-off. But if he were to fire Frank Reich after just one season, would it send a bad signal to prospective head coaching candidates that he may never learn to change his ways? It certainly would. That would scare off probably all of the hot young candidates that are out there. Prospective head coaches are going to decline that invitation uh, from Carolina if they're uh, firing somebody as respected as Frank Reich after just one season in which, uh, you know, you're basically looking at a team that traded up for that first pick, didn't give him the full year to develop that quarterback, develop that team, had already traded away their top wide receiver, didn't have the weapons on offense. I mean, that's a mess. You're talking um Who's going to do a better job in that situation? It's just a mess. And for Tepper to do that, he's just going to scare away more candidates, no doubt about it. Uh, the mess just continuing in Carolina. Absolutely. And wouldn't you say the vast majority of this mess is on Scott Fitter because the Panthers currently yeah. have an offensive line that cannot pass protect to save their lives, receivers that cannot separate to save their lives. That puts Bryce Young in a 
quintessential position to fail, and that defense has suffered way too many key injuries. It's not a Frank Reich problem. It's a roster problem. Exactly. When the roster's that bad, you have to look at the general manager. Uh, you know, like you, like we said, who, who could do better in that situation? That there's, there's, <laughs> there's nobody else. Sorry, Andy Reid isn't going to improve that offense right there uh, with that mess. So, yeah, Frank Wright getting hung out to dry would send a terrible message. It most certainly would. And now back to Ron Rivera. Ever since the sale of the Commanders became official, we knew Ron Rivera would only have a chance to survive if they made the playoffs this year. And the odds of that happening are close to zero right now, so it is safe to assume that Ron Rivera's days in D.C. are coming to an end. And Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports suggested that the Commanders should fire Rivera as soon as after today's game against the Cowboys and give Eric Bieniemy a five- or six-game tryout as interim head coach to conclude the season. Would that be a prudent move for Josh Harris and the new ownership group to make? David, I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. You've, um, you know... You've got a potential hot hit coach candidate in waiting there. You've seen the work that he's done uh, with this offense in Washington, uh, turning Sam Howell, a huge question mark coming into the season, into a legitimate NFL quarterback. Uh, the offense is not the problem in Washington. It's been that defense and uh Ron Rivera's coaching here, uh, top to bottom. So no doubt about it. I love the idea. Give Eric Bieniemy the chance, see what he can do. And if everybody responds well, makes for an easy search for your head coach next year. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this one works, Hal. I make a statement, and then you let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether you think I'm exaggerating it. Then explain why. Yesterday. In an uncharacteristic midseason move, the Steelers fired offensive coordinator Matt Canada. And as big of a problem as Matt Canada was, there is a lot of credible evidence to suggest that Kenny Pickett has been the bigger problem. Kenny Pickett, he is currently the 35th ranked quarterback in terms of EPA per pass and success rate, the 38th ranked quarterback in explosive play rate, the 30th ranked quarterback in air yards per attempt, but the 17th ranked quarterback in inaccuracy rate. None of this matches up. So truth or exaggeration, the Steelers will either sign a big name free agent quarterback or draft a quarterback in the first or second round in 2024. Yeah, I, I think it's the truth. I mean. Kenny Pickett getting that quarterback's confidence back up unless something dramatic happens, which I don't see happening, uh, you know, as very likely to happen. You've got to move on and you've got to protect yourself. We're seeing it this year, like you brought up at the top of the show, the number of quarterbacks that have been uh, knocked out, the number of second and third third on the depth chart quarterbacks that are out there starting this week and previous weeks. Uh, you've got to take care of yourself at that key position. So for Pittsburgh, definitely uh, got to import some help, whether through free agency in the draft for that quarterback position, because with this defense, you can't afford to keep wasting it year after year. Totally agree. The Pittsburgh Steelers would absolutely be insane to not be in the quarterback market this spring. Despite his approved stats from last year, the Broncos should still be leaning toward parting ways with Russell Wilson next spring, regardless of how many games they end up winning. Truth or exaggeration? 
Oh, I'm going to go with an exaggeration here, David. You know, I'm not, we're not the biggest Russell Wilson fans anymore after this disaster last year. But, um, you know, looking at that disaster of the New York Jets offense, it might be a lot easier to say, yeah, we're going to blame it all on Nathaniel Hackett here and <laughs> give Russ another year here because uh, he certainly is taking steps in the right direction this year in that improved play, uh, especially trending upwards. I think it will for the rest of the year. I think he's bought himself another year in Denver. We shall see. Whether in Chicago or elsewhere, Justin Fields will be a starting NFL quarterback in 2024. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, definitely a truth. I mean, for the Bears, whether you're going to use Fields as a, a package to continue accumulating draft picks, if you're going to trade that Carolina, the likely number one back or stay and get one of those uh, Williams or May there at that quarterback position, Fields is showing that he does have the potential to be an NFL starter. and Look, we both felt that way after the draft. His ceiling is so, so high. The floor hasn't caught up to it yet, but so much, too many other teams uh, are going to be way too interested because of that talent, because of that potential that's still there, um, and thinking as well, getting him in that right offensive system and what they can do with him. So Fields, definitely truth, will be a starter next year. And from the Bears to their most hated rival, we go the Packers, where Jordan Love will be the starting quarterback in 2024. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I'm going to go with the truth on this one. I think, you know, he's shown enough this year. He's shown some growth. He's shown progression. He's shown he's capable of it. And look, you know, Green Bay doesn't have the greatest receivers. There's some disconnect there. You know, they could really use a receiver like, I don't know, Devontae Adams uh, there to help out. But <laughs> um, So, yeah, so for Green Bay, it's not all on, on love. They're, they've already won too much. They're not going to be in position to draft an immediate impact quarterback, um, even though I wouldn't be surprised if they did add one, to add one. But love has shown enough to me. I think he'll be the starter next year. So that's a truth. Last weekend, the Chargers lost another hard in a blender game to the Green Bay Packers and are now staring at a four and six record. And their next three games against the Ravens this weekend, against the Patriots the following weekend, and home against the Broncos in week 14. So truth or exaggeration, if the Chargers lose two, of their next three games, they should fire Brandon Staley and give offensive coordinator Kellen Moore a four to five game tryout as interim head coach. Truth or exaggeration? Well, I mean, I would say exaggeration because they should be doing that today, but <laughs> <laughs> instead of waiting the next three games, but, but definitely if they lose two out of those three games, uh, without a doubt, I mean, Staley, uh, he's going to be gone at the end of the year, no matter what. May as well see how Kellen Moore handles that. Uh, I love the idea. Same situation like you were talking about with the enemy earlier. Mm -hmm. Give them a chance. Give them a tryout. See how the players react and they interact in that role. And uh, sounds like a perfect idea to me. So uh, Chargers, definitely, truth, 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 get him fired, especially if they're losing two out of three, which seems very likely. Whoever loses this week's game between the Giants and Patriots can be locked in 
to one of the top two picks in the 2024 NFL draft? Truth or exaggeration? Oh, I'm going truth on this one. I mean, uh, we know Carolina's in one of those two, but this is the big, big game here. Uh, neither of these teams should be favored to win any of the rest of the games throughout the season. So this is really uh, for these two franchises. Who's cementing uh, number two? Who's got Drake May as their quarterback? Or surprising uh, with Marvin Harrison Jr. Indeed. And moving right along, the Vikings. We'll wait until week 14. Keep in mind, they're on bye next week to bring Justin Jefferson back. Truth or exaggeration? I think that's going to be a truth. They've been winning games without him, and there's no reason to rush him back and risk an injury, especially when you're right in the middle uh, of the playoff race and uh, should be one of those wild card teams um, the way that they've been playing. So, Get him ready, have him ready for the important games in January. Don't risk him being rushed back, uncomfortable. And uh, we've seen it too many times. Guys come back from injury too early, and there's another injury that comes on top of that and shuts Mm -hmm. them down and wipes out that season. Oh, especially with uh, soft tissue injuries like hamstrings, man. That is a great point. You have to give him the maximum amount of time to fully fully recover from that. And last but not least, in truth or exaggeration, if inconsistencies continue for the Jaguars on offense, Doug Peterson must take back the play calling duties from offensive coordinator Press Taylor. Truth or exaggeration? Um, I'm going to say it's a truth because I think he's going to do that, no doubt about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, give the guy a chance. Come on, you you put him in the role. Um, he, you knew he hadn't and calling plays previously, uh, write it out. How is he expected to improve if you keep yo-yoing them back and forth? It's a bad precedent, but um, I think if there is, if they still remain inconsistent, he definitely will. Um, me personally, I think they should write it out and let Press Taylor continue to keep improving um, and learn on the job here. And speaking of those Jacksonville Jaguars, they play in our game of the week as they travel to Houston on Sunday to face the Texans in a game that could potentially decide who wins the 2023 AFC South crown. This game is for sole possession of first place in the AFC South because the Texans uh, beat the Jaguars earlier this season. With the 2023 AFC South title possibly on the line in this game, and based on the Jags' offensive success last week against the Titans, should Press Taylor's biggest priority in this game be force-feeding both Calvin Ridley and Travis Etienne? Uh, Etienne, definitely. I don't think they have the need to force-feed Ridley quite as much. Um, I think what they did last week by moving him around, um, putting him in those bunch formations, putting him in the slot more, uh, getting him releases off the line and able to you know, run those routes that he, Ridley's most comfortable with, um, that made a big, huge difference in that production. Having Ridley, Zay Jones, and Kirk out there uh, is a huge, huge 
boost for that offense. Having Zay Jones be able to take that outside position is what really has freed up Calvin Ridley. And if you look at Ridley just with Zay Jones on the field and without Zay Jones this year, the numbers are eye-popping. Those games, Ridley disappeared. He was stuck on the outside. Um, He was covered up by that top receiver, and he was not getting off the line of scrimmage. That was the problem. So just continuing what they did last week should get the ball to Calvin Ridley, but definitely going to need a lot of ATN, both running the ball and receiving the ball this week against that Texans defense. And these past couple of weeks, we've been talking about how CJ Stroud is doing wonders with uh, an average uh, supporting cast on offense, but don't look now, but the Texans just might have an electric bona fide wide receiver one after all in Stroud's fellow rookie Tank Dell. Look at his numbers the past three weeks. He's caught 20 passes for 319 yards and four touchdowns in the past three weeks. And remember, this was a guy who C.J. Stroud himself directly lobbied the Texans front office to draft. What makes the connection between the two rookies so special? Well, I mean, for Tank Dell, it's that ability to get off the line of scrimmage he's quick he's twitchy you see the burst when he's on there and he's such a smart route runner he is a you know wise beyond his years in that role he runs routes like a veteran and even though he is small he is very physical for that size as well so he's such a great compliment with robert woods there uh, nico collins or noah brown whoever's out there um you know, taking that outside, letting him work underneath. And you see Stroud um, with that strong offensive line in front of him, gives him time for Dell to be able to get that separation that he's so good at getting. And that's why you're seeing these two connecting so much. Oh, absolutely. Plus the way he uh, comes back to the ball a lot. That is just masterful uh, route running by Tank Dell. And now let's talk about the matchups that are going to decide this pivotal game in the AFC South. And we start up front with two rookies, Jaguars right tackle Anton Harrison, their 2023 first round pick facing off against Will Anderson Jr. Will Anderson Jr. might not have that many sacks this year, but in terms of disruption he is elite he ranks top four of the nfl in pass rush win rate so if anton Harrison, if you cannot contain will Anderson jr that's going to make uh trevor lawrence's job a lot tougher on sunday oh without a doubt for that david uh you know we're seeing that jacksonville gonna have to give him time lawrence needs that time to be able to pass so uh harrison heavy weight on his shoulder and like you said with will anderson he's not getting the uh the attention because of those sacks but those pressures those lead to incompletions those lead to third down stops those are what lead to uh turnovers in you know bad passes from the quarterback so just as valuable even if you're not getting the sacks that you're getting that pressure and that's great to see will anderson's done such a great job of that um, with that houston defense absolutely and stay with that texas defense for a moment uh last week uh, Derek steely jr uh, came back to, into action after uh, missing several weeks and he recorded a pretty dazzling interception and i wonder whether or not Tamiko rides is going to have him shadow calvin ridley Oh, that's a good point there, David. That might be a very um, important role to uh, shutting him down because with Ridley having that effect and Houston 
you know, strong in that secondary. Uh, you know, Steve Nelson's really stepped up well, um, the veteran. But yeah, Stingley is just such a difference maker. We saw it last week with him back there. Um, it just changes that whole defense. And if he can shut down one of those main weapons, that's a huge, huge advantage uh, for the Texans defense there. And uh, switching sides of the ball, you mentioned that uh, Texas offensive line, but if they had a weak spot, it's probably at right tackle with George Fat and uh, Josh Allen is in the other Josh Allen for the Jaguars. He has been balling out this season and he is making himself some uh, money potentially in free agency uh, next spring. So uh, Josh Allen against George Fat, uh, CJ Stroud and that uh, Texas offense, Bobby Slowick, that is something you're going to have to pay attention to. You're going to have to do some chipping on Josh Allen the entire game, probably. Oh, without a doubt. So Dalton Schultz, that's falling on you there to help out George Fant on the offensive line. Um, or if they're going with um, a multi tight end look, which they don't do too often. So a uh, lot of pressure on George Fant there. He's got the target on him because like we said, the rest of that offensive line, Laramie Tunsil, uh, you know, Titus Howard, uh, the Shaq Masons, those guys have been holding up and been a big part of the success in Houston, rebuilding that front. But there's never enough tackles to go around in the NFL. Absolutely. But this is where Bobby Sloa comes in. As uh, we've been seeing on tape these past several weeks, uh, whenever he calls a big shot play down the field to uh, take Dell or to Nico College or whoever, he always has a max protection in to allow those routes to develop. And with a threat like Josh Allen coming off the edge, uh, he's going to probably do that more often. Oh, without a doubt. So, yeah. So, like you said, uh, keeping in Schultz or whatever tight ends in the game, uh, keeping Singletary back there to block as well in the backfield. Whatever it takes, you've got to be smart. You've got to have bodies on Josh Allen because, like you said, he has been a man on a mission this year and has been bringing that pressure and is ready to cash in this offseason. And who do you have winning Sunday afternoon in Houston for sole possession of first place in the AFC South? I mean, this is a tough one. I've gone back and forth a few times on it, but uh, – I initially was thinking I was, you know, Jacksonville, more established, but I, I can't pick against Houston right now. I'm not picking. <laughs> no way against C.J. Stroud. I've got Houston taking it 27-24 over the Jags. So that's important to go alert, Beep. I like it. All right. I am going with the Texans as well. Like you, I have been a believer in this Texas team for weeks on end, and I am not ready, not even close to being ready to jump off the bandwagon now. I think they're going to end up winning the AFC South this year, plus a playoff game, because D'Amico Ryans is just having this defense play Great football, despite marginal talent at key positions. And C.J. Stroud is having arguably the best rookie season for any NFL quarterback ever. And with those two ingredients, that is a recipe for success in both winning your division and a playoff game in your first year together. I like the Texans as well, 31-27 to over the Jaguars. And now let's pick the rest of these Week 12 games, starting with our locks of the week. Who you got, Hal? Uh, my lock of the week, you know, there were a couple I could have chose from, I think, here, yeah, but I'm going to go with Detroit in this game uh, for my lock of the week. Uh, I love the Thanksgiving game. I know the pack's been beaten on them for decades, but it's time for some payback here. So Thanksgiving special game, Detroit, the lock of the week. 
I've got them over Green Bay quite handily, 34 to 17. I think the game is going to be a little bit closer than that, but at the end, the Lions pull away 31 to 21. I agree. We both have the Lions in that game. My lock of the week occurs on Black Friday. Whereas the Dolphins headed to MetLife Stadium to take on the Jets. And yes, the Jets finally benched Zach Wilson. But for Tim Boyle, not going to make that much of a difference. The Dolphins should have no problem winning this game. Uh, they shot themselves in the foot last week against the Raiders. They're not going to make the same mistakes this week. Uh, they beat the Jets pretty handily 27-10. to 10. Who you got in that game, Hal? Yeah, I've got Miami there as well. Uh, this was one I was thinking about as the lock of the week as well. Uh, I have it Miami 30, Jets 16. And now on to our upset specials. Who is your upset special in week 12, Hal? I may as well pick a good one here. What the heck? Uh, Raiders, they've been playing better. Chiefs, you talked about at the top of the show, doing Patrick Mahomes dirty. Divisional games, something all strange can always happen. You're in Vegas. I'm going to roll the dice. Vegas 22, Kansas City 16 for my upset special. I like the Raiders to cover the spread, but I just don't see them be the Chiefs because the Chiefs still beat themselves last week with those two red zone turnovers despite dominating Philly at the line of scrimmage throughout the game. I think that uh, defense forces Aiden O'Connell into a couple of turnovers, which leads to short fields, and that is the difference in a close 27-23 win for the Chiefs over the Raiders. And continuing with today's games, we got the Cowboys hosting the Commanders in what could potentially be Ron Rivera's last game as Commanders head coach. I think the Cowboys just roll over them, uh, and I think they score in the 40s. So 42-20 to 20 Cowboys. Ooh, all right. I've got it. Uh, yeah, I know it's a big spread on this game, but again, it's Thanksgiving divisional game. I don't know. I can see some weird things in that Washington offense uh, bouncing back a little. I'll make it a little closer, uh, a little scare for the Cowboys early, but Dallas pulls away 31 to 24. And David, I didn't get your upset special. Ooh, thank you for pointing that out, Al. My upset special, I am going with the Buffalo Bills Ooh. to defeat the Philadelphia Eagles by a final score of 24 to 21. How do they do it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. Who do you have in that game, Hal? Uh, I don't have it that bold at all. Um, I, I think Buffalo will keep it close, but uh, that team's struggling right now, and I think Philadelphia continuing their strong ways. I have Philadelphia 27 to 20 over the Bills. And tonight's game is a battle for first place in the NFC West as the 49ers travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. And uh, Geno Smith may be playing this game, but he's going to be far from 100%. And they also don't have right tackle Abe Lucas, which is going to be a huge disadvantage going up against Nick Bosa and Chase Young in that 49ers pass rush. And Brock Purdy has been lights out these past two weeks and for most of the season. And I think he's able to continue that level of play uh, tonight against the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks keep it close for about three quarters, but the 49ers pull away in the end, 27-17. Yeah, I, I got a little bit closer than that. I want to I want to think Seattle's going to, uh, you know, put on their best show here under the bright lights uh, at home, but it's still not going to be enough. I have it San Francisco 25, Seattle 20. I could definitely see it being that close as well. 
And now on to the Sunday games, where if you had to pick a game for the Panthers to win, this Sunday could be it as they travel to Music City to take on the struggling Tennessee Titans. I think it's going to be ugly and low scoring, but at the end of the day, you just cannot trust this Carolina Panthers team. You just can't. Titans 16, Panthers 13. Yeah, I, I I really wanted to give Carolina a chance to win it. I'll give them a chance to cover the spread and keep it close. But yeah, this could be uh, one of the many low-scoring, ugly games here on Sunday. Um, I have Tennessee beating Carolina nine to seven. And in another AFC South, NFC South clash, the Bucks travel to Indy to take on the Colts. And the Bucs, uh, they played the 49ers pretty tough last week. And uh, I just am pretty skeptical as to how Gardner Minshew is going to be able to uh, light the world on fire against this Tampa Bay defense, which remains very, very solid. And uh, Baker Mayfield is still having a very solid season as well. I think this game is going to be close, but given the Colts' inconsistencies this year, I just am still not ready to buy into them at this time. I'm going to go with the team with the more experienced core of this game. I like the Bucks. Yeah, I was back and forth on this one too, but I am going to give it to Indianapolis. Minshew Mania, maybe I don't believe in that, but I think they've got enough to pull this out at home after the bye. Give me Indy 23-20 to 20 over the Bucks. And in a game that could have even more divisional implications than the Jaguars-Texans game, the Saints traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Like, whoever wins this game becomes the favorite to win the NFC South and uh, has their playoff odds go drastically up or drastically down. And I just do not trust Arthur Smith and the Falcons right now. How can you? After uh, blowing a game to Josh Dobbs and the Vikings where Josh Dobbs didn't even know the guys in the huddle and uh, just choking in the desert against the Cardinals the way they did. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is, Desmond Ritter, or uh, Taylor Heineke, doesn't matter. Dennis Allen's defense is going to just shut them down, and the offense is going to do just enough to pull away with a 21-16 to win over the Falcons. I like the Saints. I like it, David. Uh, I'm right there with you as well. Saints on the road in Atlanta. Atlanta, ugh, back to Ritter. What a mess. I, I can't even talk about Atlanta anymore. Uh, give me New Orleans, 23-19. to and in the Tank Bowl, as we alluded to earlier, the Patriots traveling to East Rutherford to take on the Giants. And call me a conspiracy theorist, but I just don't think that Bill Belichick wants to lose the inside track to one of those top two picks. And I think the Patriots find some sort of way to give the game away to the Giants. I like the Giants. I like the Giants as well. They may actually be motivated to win. I mean, I remember Bill Belichick endorsed Joe Judge as their head coach. So there's got to be payback for that, right? I mean, come on. Uh, give me the Giants 23 to 21 over the Patriots. And on Sunday afternoon in Cincinnati, the Joe Burrow-less Bengals will be led by Jake Browning, host the Steelers with their great defense yet struggling offense i think the bagels with that defense they keep this game close it's going to be a quintessential ugly low scoring afc north affair like the one we saw last sunday between the uh, steelers and browns but 
At the end of the day, I am not betting against Mike Tomlin in this one against the Joe Burrell's Bengals team. I like the Steelers to pull it out 20-17 to 17 over the Bengals. Ooh, you got a lot more points than I do on this one. This is one of my ugly, low-scoring Sunday games, uh, of which there apparently are going to many in my prediction. So um, give me Pittsburgh over Cincinnati in the field goal fest, 12-9. to 9. And if you want another potentially ugly, low-scoring game, go to the Mile High City this week where <laughs> Dorian Thompson, Robinson's Browns, and that great defense travel to Denver to take out the red-hot Denver Broncos, winners of four straight. The Broncos deserve credit. They have found ways to win games that they would have lost easily these past six years. But granted, I think the streak has to stop somewhere, and I think it stops this weekend because that – Turnover rate is just not sustainable for the Broncos over the long run. And they won last week despite struggling big time to run the ball and struggling big time to stop the run. And now you face arguably the best run-blocking offensive line in the league in the Cleveland Browns. And plus that defense, not a chance. It's going to be ugly and low scoring, but the Browns pull away 16-9. to I like the Browns. Oh, I've got ugly and low scoring too, but I think the Broncos are going to win this one. Um, and I see this as ooh, Denver three, Cleveland nothing. Huh? Well, you got to wait for the bold prediction. To wow. That oh, wow. Wow. Oh, man. That is bold indeed, Hal. And now we go to the desert where Kyler Murray, the Cardinals host the Rams. And the bad news for the Cardinals in this game is that the Rams get Kyron Williams back for this game. And Kyron Williams absolutely torched that Cardinals defense on the ground. And I just don't see anything changing here. Yes, having Kyler Murray back is a big difference, but uh, Matthew Stafford and the Rams are still uh, playing better football. They're still the better team. I like the Rams. I like the Rams as well. I can't imagine Arizona favored in any game. And I, even at home, I don't think they should be for this one. Rams 20, um, Arizona 16. And on Sunday night, the Chargers host the AFC leading Baltimore Ravens in a game that could be do or die for their playoff hopes. Do you trust Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert to somehow, some way beat the Ravens? I don't think so. No way you could trust this Chargers team after blowing a game like that to the Packers last week. You just cannot do it. I like the Ravens 31-21 over the Chargers. Yeah, I, I'm Ravens as well. Three and a half points uh, as for the Ravens, even on the road, seems ridiculous to me. Give me the Ravens in a blowout 33-19. to and on Monday night in Minnesota, Josh Dobbs and the Vikings look to bounce back from that heartbreaking loss in Denver as they host the Bears, who hope to bounce back from that heartbreaking loss against the Lions. This is a divisional game. I think Justin Fields and the Bears find a way to keep it close, but I just do not trust Matt Eberflus to beat Kevin O'Connell, who has arguably uh, made himself the co-favorite for NFL Coach of the Year the way he's navigated Kirk Cousins' absence these past three weeks. It's going to be close, but the Vikings pull away in the end, let's say 23-17 to 17 over the Bears. Yeah, I don't even think it's going to be close. I think it's a big letdown week for the Bears as well as they played in losing that game and uh, under the bright lights. I just don't see it happening. I've got Minnesota at home winning easily 35 to 22 over the Bears. And now on to our bold predictions for week 12. You go first here, Hal. 
All right. So uh, there have only been 12 games in NFL history in which one team has had less than 50 net yards for the entire game. But it's never happened with both teams with less than 50 net yards of total offense. And with these defenses and these anemic offenses in mile high, you're going to get the biggest stinker either. Neither team cracks 50 net yards of total offense. Denver only wins because of an untimely late turnover by Cleveland, giving them the ball in field goal range. And that's how Denver squeaks out a three to nothing win in this historically horrible offensive game. Ooh, that is bold indeed, Hal. And it's probably even bolder than mine. My bold prediction is this. The Bills, with six minutes left in the game, are down 21 to 10 to the Eagles. But then Josh Allen throws a 60-yard touchdown pass to Khalil Shakir with four minutes and 30 seconds left. And on the ensuing drive, Rasul Douglas, the Bills' uh, prized acquisition of the trade deadline, strips A.J. Brown at midfield, and the Bills recover with under three minutes left. And then on fourth and goal, Josh Allen finds Dalton Kincaid for the game-winning touchdown. That is how the Bills come back and win 24-21 to over the Eagles. And last but not least, we do our challenge flags, and my challenge flag goes to the offenses of teams with opportunistic defenses, like the Browns, like the Broncos, etc. Convert short fields into touchdowns and not field goals. Field goals only get you four points closer to losing, and your failure to turn turnovers and short fields into touchdowns could very well cost you dearly down the stretch. That is my challenge. What about yours, Hal? I like that, David. Uh, my challenge flag goes out to all the NFL fans across the country, across the globe. Black Friday football for the first time. We've got a game on Friday after Thanksgiving. We're going to extend this gluttonous holiday out an extra day, and I love it. I want more of it. So give these television networks the eyeballs, 3 o'clock Eastern time on Friday. I want more Friday football in the future. So forget about going out and shopping. Do it early. Do it online. Watch more football and keep this Black Friday football going for me. He is Hale Bent, ladies and gentlemen. Catch his work at full press coverage and follow him on X at HaleBet01. Thank you so much once again, Hale. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. Hale is off on a cruise next week, but my man Carl Dumbler of Mile High Huddle will join us in his stead to recap Week 12, preview Week 13, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on X at DCROM59 and on Instagram and now threads at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Hale Bet, this is David Cromo saying so long, and whatever you do, please choose love. Please choose kindness. Please choose compassion. Please choose selflessness. And please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in any sport. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. And to you and yours, a very happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) 